0: Good morning everybody. Morning. Good morning. My name is Ryan and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I struggle with anger, bitterness, resentment, and a critical spirit. Now, if you're not familiar with that introduction, it's from a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Anybody familiar with Celebrate Recovery? Okay? It's nationwide started by Rick Warren at Saddleback Church in Orange County and now they are global. It's basically the Christian version of Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's just all gospel centered, all based out of the beatitudes. And people have there's there's a high success rate for people overcoming all kinds of addictions. So in Celebrate Recovery, I've been a part of Celebrate Recovery groups in Virginia, I moved to California and I was a part of a Celebrate Recovery group there. Why? Because it's only for people who are Sinful. It's, it's not. Oh, it's, is that, oh, that, isn't that for addicts? Yes, we are all recovering sin addicts. We should all be in these groups. But it's just the church. So anybody who touches a microphone in Celebrate Recovery, it doesn't matter if it's the, the guitar, the music leader, or the, anybody who touches the mic, they start off with, hi, my name is this, and then I struggle with And then it gets vulnerable real quick you you would go to a Celebrate Recovery meeting and you go, did that person just share that? Porn addiction right off the bat with a hello? Like, wow. Because from the beginning, there was no hiding. But somehow the church has been a place where I go in and then I, let me, let me put my game face on, and it's amen, hallelujah. And I'm here to say it's okay to not be okay sometimes and to say, I'm not doing good. I'm not doing well. And from day to day, Sometimes I'd be doing well, sometimes I'd be doing, like, I'm a mess. Sometimes I'd be so gospel-centered and so kingdom-focused and then in the same breath, like, complaining about somebody doing something. And today, rather than just focusing on talking about grief and what the Bible says, I kind of have to read you into my story a little bit. And I wrestled so, I've never wrestled so hard in a sermon on, on how to prep for this because I don't want to say the wrong thing because this is a sacred space. And and a, a, a sermon or a pulpit should never be used to, one, take advantage of a captive audience, to promote any political agendas, to promote any theological dogma, to promote anything other than the gospel should be proclaimed from here, period, over and out. That's what this is for I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to give you the word and everything I've poured over in it, but I have to read you into my story a little bit so that you'll understand why I waver so much and and the deep, deep wounds that I have in my soul. One of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Richard Rohr. He said, pain not transformed is transferred. I also heard that if you don't heal what hurts you, you will bleed all over those who didn't cut you. And I've experienced a lot of that. Like, you know, here it goes. I'm getting angry at things. I'm yelling at kids or whatever. And then we go up to Nuremberg for a trip, and, we, and my wife says, hey, let's, let's go around the table and see what you're feeling. Right? And, and I go... It was one word to describe what you're, what you're going through. And I said, uh, this is a couple of weeks ago, I go, uh, I'm mourning. I'm mourning. So I really did prepare for this, but I don't know what's going to come out today. It's, it's going to be the word, and it's going to be what comes to my heart. And in fact, saying that, my, um, my, uh, one of my favorite pastors, uh, thank you, brother. My, one of my favorite pastors, uh, Matt Chandler, says that the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. And in fact, Jesus said that. He said, you know, if you're dealing with lust of that, then it, it goes back to your heart. Right? The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. So so I, I, you'll see me throughout this, throughout this, whatever, 30 minutes together That, that, yeah, there's times when I can be so kingdom focused, right? Like, this is what God has for us. This is what death means in the midst of, in, in the, midst of the gospel. This is, this is what pain is for. Pain serves a purpose. And at the same time, I have moments where I'm just triggered by something, and I start getting really angry. And it's like, well, why are these, why are these people doing this? Why are they acting like that? Why is this policy like this? And on and on and on and on. It doesn't take much to spin me up. And then I'm on, on a rant. And then I've used 30 minutes of someone's time to talk about how dumb I think things are rather than preaching the gospel, right? And if, if you're guilty of that, could you, could you raise your hand? With, okay, so, so we, are, we are on the same page. Hey, let's repent together, okay, and say no more of that because we live in a world where it's easy to do that. It's easy. I told you before that I have, have had for years a spiritual gift called the spirit of criticism, and I can have the ability to walk in a room and have a judgment about every single person in the room. It's a spiritual gift, but it's from the wrong spirit, and so we confess that and we repent from that as a body, as individuals, and let's just keep going forward. So, so that is that's my um, that's my little little story. I'll I'll, I'll get into that um, even more. Okay, so uh, May May two thousand uh, twenty one. I get a call from my my dad it was it was sunday may 22nd and um i i, I called him back i missed the call and he's like hey son um like i got covid and i was like no problem dad and the science tells us there's not 99 percent survival rate you'll be fine he said okay well, well can you watch my dog and all that and i was like of course and uh, uh things start the day don't go well for him so he doesn't feel good so he goes into the hospital um, my mom takes him to a place called Kaiser, Kaiser Permanente, in, in Irvine. And so, so they, they, you know, they they give him some stuff. I don't, I don't know. They just give him some stuff, and then he goes home, and then he he starts to feel bad. He know, I got fever, and I'm reading my mom's journal. I asked her to give me her journal. Every day is, is lined out. And then after that, um, he he goes back uh, to he goes back to. Um, uh, K- Kaiser Anaheim, uh, Kaiser uh, Irvine again, right? And This is uh, 15 days later, right on the dot, 15 days. And and in that in that second time we went to the hospital, the doctors gave him something. And then and you I'm I'm just stating facts, okay? I like I said, the bitterness goes. Why did you give him that? And all, uh, but I'm just gonna, for a fact they gave him a drug called Remdesivir. Okay, it's controversial if you look it up. You just you just Google it, and you'll see that uh, a lot of people have died from this thing. 53% of people died in an Ebola trial, according to the New Lincoln Medical Journal. So this thing is really, it's like, this is really controversial drug. He takes that after two weeks, which you're not supposed to take it after two weeks. So uh, it's, he, the, the, they gave it at a, at a very lethal time. And then I'm reading my mom's journal, fourth dose, fifth dose, you know, one, two, three, four, five, five days in a row of this, of this very, it costs $3,000 per course. That's a course. And they gave him this drug, and then, and then I started watching him over video. His, his, he just started to, to dwindle. I'm like, who is that? My mom sent me a video of him trying to sit up, and it, it was his kidneys were shutting down. And it also caused his lungs to fill up with water, and he went to go, and he went into the surgery, and then they, they couldn't patch these holes, and he just started to dwindle. I'm like, I couldn't recognize my dad anymore. He's a strong guy, 66 years old, immigrant from the Philippines, worked so hard how do you go from not knowing any english and he worked at the nuclear power plant in southern california edison for 33 years i mean this guy's a strong guy he's got he what 13 grandkids and he's just he loves to to move right he loves to do things and i said he's that's not the same person uh and then fast forward he goes to mission hospital and it's just he's just dwindling and then and then May, uh, June 24th, I was minding my own business, doing my own thing at work. And then it was like the Holy Spirit prompted me, Hey, get up and go, go to the hospital. Cause he, he was in and out of the hospital throughout this whole time. Cause his, cause his kidneys were shutting down. And I was, I was like, what? Who's Holy Spirit. Why are you telling me to go see my dad in the hospital? Just go. So I called Jeanette and I said, I don't know why I'm crying, but I need to go see my dad in the hospital. June 24th, I drive up to Kaiser Anaheim and I, and I see my dad and uh, that was the last conversation we had. He died. He died about 48 hours later. But I didn't know that. So on Sunday, the 27th, we were driving, and we, we, we pulled up to our church in San Clemente, and I got a text from my mom. says, hey, uh, dad's ready. I don't know what that means, but in my heart, it was like, go, go. So we were walking into the door of the church, and we walked around. And we said, oh, Uncle Mikey, we, we got to go. That was just like that. The door was right there. And we turned around. And we said, we got to go. And he's like, hey, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you guys. So we drove up to the hospital. I never forget. I walked in the room. We're the third people there. My mom and my aunt were in the room, right? And now, by this time, he's he's, cleared. he's been clear of COVID for a long time. He's, they've tested him. He's, he's, he's negative, right? And so I said, hey, mom, so what, what's, the, what's the update? And she walks out, and she goes, oh, he's, he's been promoted to glory. <laughs> and I go, what? And so it just hit me at that moment, right, like, He's no longer around, and uh, I'll never forget my brother-in-law Alan. He came around me, he put his big arm around me, He's, and we just grieved. And there was weeping and wailing in that room, right? There was weeping and wailing, and uh, hearing my mom just, you know, like the kind of mourning where people tear their clothes. It's like she was like, "Why, why?" And and I, you know, we had everybody. Everybody he was surrounded by the family. We brought everybody in there, in there. Um, you know, I brought my son in there, and they're like, "Hey." Kids can't be in there, and I was like, "Whatever." And this so I brought I brought him in because they, they, I wanted him to be part of that, right? And uh, this is this is this is where this is part of the story, right? I'm reading you in. I'm asking for your grace, but when he when he died, right, um, it was a whole it was a whole just a mess, right? And then I'm I'm doing the funeral arrangements. You know, I've, I've buried a lot of people, so I'm just that's in my field, right, to do these things and. I go and get the death certificate, and and it says, uh, cause of death, COVID, and then that was just a red flag to me, because he didn't have it, when he, the doctor said he's okay, otherwise he wouldn't have let us be in the room, and, and so I just started to think, like, huh, and the enemy started to play with my mind, like, you see, like, and then I had so many things to complain about, and it was like this tug of war for my soul, God's like, focus on me, focus on me, you'll be fine, focus on me, and the devil was like, nah, look at this, look at that, look at, question all these things, conspiracy, whatever, and so I get, it was, it's been a long journey, it's been a long 365 days. I stand before you today to say that I'm so filled with peace and joy right now. Why? Because joy is based off of perspective and happiness is based off of happenings and what's happening to me. And I'm saying that happiness is always a cheap substitute for true joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In fact, our, our community group was singing that song last night at the Wren Collective concert. We were just belting it from the, from the bottom of our, of our bellies. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we just sing, singing that over and over and over I tell you what, it's the only way to live. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, which is our passage, Jesus lists a bunch of things. He lists eight categories of peoples, right, who are blessed. They're blessed. When a Jew in the first century would hear this, this passage... What do you think they're thinking about? Like, we always have to approach Scripture with the text in its context, in this in it's what's called the sitzim laban, in the setting in life, in, in theology, what's called isogogets, which is interpreting the text in the time in which it was written. Because guess what? The Bible wasn't written in the 21st century. It's a little bit different, first century and now. So as we open today's word, what? are the kind of things that Jews in the first century, what would they be thinking about? Does anybody know? When they're hearing Jesus preach this Sermon on the Mount, uh, what could they be thinking of? Well, I'll tell you one thing. They're oppressed. They live under a corrupt government. They know tyranny at its best. They know unnecessary death. They know murders. They know rape. They know killing. They know all these things. They know what it. It's like to have traders within their own group, i.e. the tax collectors, stealing their money when they got a surplus for for fishing or whatever. The tax collectors come along and say, hey, thank you very much, that belongs to Caesar. Right? They had to get ash and burn it over a fire and say, kurios kaisar, Caesar is lord. There were some horrible times in history, throughout history. I say this over and over, but what happened here? 80, 90 years ago, in this very land that we're standing on, was horrific. The Holocaust, 6 million Jews dying, the rise of fascism. How did these things happen? And a Jew in the first century is probably thinking, when is this going to end? I hear you, Jesus, but when are these mandates going to end, Jesus? Because they had mandates back then that were nonsensical. Because it was a corrupt government. Hey, you owe us your money. When's that going to end? They were done with They were fed up with it. They were probably saying, how many more people have to die? How many more innocent people have to die? They're going to say, how many times are we going to have an official in office that's corrupt? The first century Jew would be thinking all of these things, and they want a Messiah who's going to liberate them from all this political stuff, come back and uh, make Israel great again, or, or whatever, Okay, that's what they were saying. When are we going to make Israel great again? Why do we have to be under the oppression of the Romans? Why don't we take it back? Why don't we establish the kingdom here? Why don't we, God, we're the chosen people. But they're waiting, they're waiting. And Jesus, instead of addressing the political climate or what's going on around them, he addresses what's going on inside them. And when I counsel, which is like, it used to be like 90% of my job till I got promoted to desk jockey, but I used to do a lot of counseling. Did a lot of counseling. I've been a battalion chaplain several times, and you can imagine you have a thousand um, men, because back then it was, it was infantry was 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 all men. A thousand guys, average age twenty. Well, how much counseling can that be? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know what I would do? I would sit there after a young Marine or sailor is dumping out their dumping out their soul, and I would say, "Okay, so." You, I hear you. You told me what's going on around you. Now I want to know what's going on inside you. Because the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. Jesus totally circumvents the addressing political issues and addressing physical issues and addressing everything. He goes right for the heart. That's Jesus style. He goes right past the issue to the heart, and it's a matter of what will you do with what's happened. Uh, One of my favorite authors, John Eldridge, uh, says says this. It's not about what happened to us. It's about what we did with what happens to us. And everybody in here, everybody in here, from the littlest one to the most experienced one, um, has grief. In fact, I'll share. Okay, just right now. It's summertime, PCS. How many of your friends are moving away? Go ahead, put your hands up. How many of your friends are moving away? So that's called grief. Grief, by the doctors, is defined as when the, the mix of emotions that happen after something changes. So you build friends. This is the military life. We build friends for a while, and then you got to say bye. Or you've been here for a long time, and then you have to move. Or your friends move. And it's this constant. And if we don't address these things with grief, well, pain, not transformed, is transferred, and we start to act out. Let me just use I statements. taking for myself. When I don't address the wounds, then I start to act out. Okay? Okay, with that, if you are in agreement with me and you say, you know what, I am acting out in certain ways. I would like to see what's underneath that. What's the sin under the sin? If you're honest enough to say, you know what? I have some grief and I've never dealt with it, then you are going to be blessed today because the word of God addresses that very thing. So now turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, it's where Jesus gives these eight categories of blessed people. And it's totally counterintuitive. It's in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus gives really the secret to kingdom living, it's in Matthew chapter 5 where, where Jesus gives these things that we know as the Beatitudes. I'm going to flash it on the screen here. So uh, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people called his disciples. Let's get, yeah, you have it here. Okay. Jesus is talking on a, on a mountaintop, and his disciples come to him. What does disciple mean? It basically means a follower see, a, a rabbi was always surrounded by a rabbinical pupil, and they would, they would really follow him around and take notes on his sermons and, and really guard the teachings of, of the rabbi. So this is a big one. And here's my pitch. You know it's coming. Have you seen The Chosen? I'm gonna, that show is the best. Uh, there's a scene in The Chosen, uh, the last series of season two. But I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he's preparing the Beatitudes, Okay. But you can't watch that episode without watching all the ones before because it'll make sense. You'll know what I mean if you, if you see it. But in this one, uh, Jesus is, in, in, in this passage, right, the disciples, which was uh, a bunch of ladies and a bunch of guys and a bunch of fishermen and a bunch of uh, one tax collector and a zealot and all these different disciples. It's a motley crew of people. It's just like, it's like the mighty ducks of, of first century uh, Christianity. All right, so they're moving and they're camping out. They're, they're bivouacking, to use a military term. And they come to this one camp, and then in the morning, Jesus is disappearing all the time. And he'll say, hey, Matthew, come with me. Because he picks Matthew, because Matthew's the critical thinker. He's a tax collector, so he can do calculations and numbers in his head. And he's not afraid to ask Jesus uh, straightforward questions. Like, that doesn't make sense, because Jesus is trying to formulate this sermon, right? And he, and, uh, he starts saying, Matthew, what do, you, what do you think about this? I'm going to start off with, you are the salts of the earth. And he goes... Well, that might confuse people. So he's going back and forth with Matthew. That's not really in the scripture, but they have, they've prayed about what they should put in these movies, and, and I, I think it's pretty awesome to, to think about what could have happened. I'm getting into the mind of the text, and that's imaginative reading of the scripture, imaginative prayer, and I think it's healthy. So there's this banter between Jesus and Matthew, and the other disciples are like, where is he at? He's gone again, and with Matthew, that guy, we hate that guy. Just, just, he's a traitor. A tax collector's a traitor who would turn on his own people and steal money. So they don't like this guy in the group, but Jesus is pulling Matthew aside. And in this one scene, uh, Matthew, he fell asleep on a rock, and it's dusk, and it's getting dark. And Jesus says, hey, Matthew, I got it. And he goes, what? He goes, I have the introduction, because he changed it, because he didn't want the salt and light thing. I got it. Well, what is it, Rabbi? It's a map. Oh, a map? How people can find me. He goes, Come on. And then Matthew says, He takes a drink of water and then and he goes, He goes, Okay, Rabbi, I'm ready. And he goes, Here it is. Blessed are the poor. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then it flashes and it shows Nathaniel, right, crying under a tree. You, you'll, you'll get it if you watch the series or if you read the Bible. And he goes, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it shows Andrew crying on Peter's shoulder. And he says, blessed are the meek. And then he just goes on and on throughout the Beatitudes. He, he goes on and on. Uh, blessed are those who are humble. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger for their righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And it shows, it shows the ladies putting this thing over Mary Magdalene, who's so broken and who, who used to have a horrible background, but they're comforting her because those demons keep coming back to haunt her. From her past. From her wounds. She's operating out of her wounds. It says, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it shows that, it shows Thomas, you know, he's, Thomas and Rama, they, they owned a wine cellar, and they're so pure, and they wanted to follow Jesus. It shows them, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, and it shows Philip intervening between the argument between Peter and and the tax collector, Matthew, right? He's a peacemaker amongst the group. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And then it shows John the Baptist getting arrested by the Romans, taken off to be killed. And then, in this part, I never thought about this, but and then it says, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you. So Jesus turns to to Matthew and he says, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. And then he goes on and Matthew goes, he realizes Jesus is talking right to him. Jesus said, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that is the background behind the, the Beatitudes. I, I think that these eight Beatitudes describe a person who's spirit-filled. See, they're descriptive. They're not prescriptive. As I was, I was pouring over my notes and, and looking at almost, I was looking at a lot of what theologians say, what other, what, other congreg, um, what other pastors say, commentaries. There's a lot of people that said, this is what you have to do to become a Christian. I don't think that at all. I didn't read that in the passage at all. Or people say, these are the marks of a true Christian. So if you're not, you don't have these marks, then you're not a true Christian. I don't see that either. You know how I know? I'll prove it to you. It doesn't say that. <laughs> We have to stick with what the text says every time. If, if you study theology, then there's this thing called exegesis. Ex is the preposition that means out, the meaning, right, the meaning out. Eisegesis means you're reading into. e i s means you're reading into the text. Eisegesis is a no-no. You will be judged for that. And, in fact, if you, James says if you get up here and you teach, you Strict your judgment. It's terrifying to hold the word because you'd be held accountable. So so it doesn't say that. These are descriptive, not prescriptive. So before anybody goes, I, I need to do these things so I can be blessed. No, no, no. It's just describing the type of people there are. Those who mourn. And the here's the world's perspective. Sucks to be that guy. Here's Jesus' perspective. Actually, that guy's blessed. Amen. The world says... I don't want that situation. That that's looks horrible. And Jesus says, that's exactly where you want to be because I'll be there with you. The world says, I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't want to show my emotions. And God says, I want to meet you where you're exactly at. Amen. And not to fall in love with a future version of yourself. Show up with all your stuff. Like we're part of a community where we just show up and we say exactly where we are. The other night? No hiding. No hiding. Isolation is not the worst thing we do, but it's how we do the worst things. If you're going to get into any type of sin, you're going to have to first isolate yourself and step, step aside. And then you're going to do something in secret. And that, that, that's going to snowball. And you're going to say, well, they wouldn't love me if they knew I did it again. So you go further and further and further. How do I know? I'm speaking from personal experience. And if you're honest, you're going to say the same thing. I, I did this atrocity, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened little by little by little, separating from the community that God has called us to be in. So that when I look at the Beatitudes, it's just eight things of, like, just say exactly where you're at. In my grief journey, there are several things that, that helped me, and I'd like to share those with you. But I received, this was true. This was true. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What was most helpful was I received comfort through God's word. Like the next morning I was on the beach and the Lord gave me Isaiah 57.1. Probably want to know what that says, right? Isaiah 51 says this. The righteous person perishes and no one takes it to heart. The faithful are taken away and no one realizing that the person is taken away to be spared from evil. That's... That's what, that's what that passage said. The Lord gave that to me the next morning, the very next morning. I was comforted by Scripture. I was also comforted by people, God's people. I felt the love of God coming through people to me, and that's how God works. That's how he works with the body. I also felt comfort from, from the Holy Spirit's presence. I just felt his presence. And additionally you know what else i did i i journaled i journaled this is my 2021 journal right there's a lot of stuff in here and you can read it all it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty intense in this unit um, i did about 25 memorials right in the summer of 2020 the amphibious assault vehicle that, that went down in camp pendleton and killed Nine service members, that, that was my regiment. That was this regiment right here. Summer 2021, Afghanistan, the Marines that died, the, the nine Marines and one corpsman that died at the Abbey Gate in Afghanistan, 1st Marine Regiment. Did a lot of funerals that year. I did a lot of grief counseling that year. And, and, and my dad died right a month after that. So I journaled. That's helpful to write all my thoughts down and to say, God, here's exactly what I'm feeling. Here's where I'm at. I also surrounded myself with, with people who were godly and I, I went to s- certain retreats that specifically uh, I, got, I surrounded myself with subject matter experts and this one exercise I said why don't you write a letter to your dad mm-hmm. and I did I don't have time to read it here today but uh, you're, you're welcome to read it it chokes me up every time mm-hmm. it starts off with hey dad how's life in the resurrection body mm-hmm. pretty awesome I bet I miss you, Dad. God is so good, and I cherished 2019 through 2021 when God brought me back to my hometown so we could build a friendship and experience healing. I'm so glad you went to the Markman for Christ retreat with us. And it goes on. And the second part of this retreat, they, they said, now, now, once you're done with that, I want you to write a letter from your dad to you. Mm. And that one was, I've never done an exercise like this. And I started to pray about what 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 the Lord was saying. Like, what if my dad could could talk to me and, son, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You have no idea how proud I am of you. Please, please uh, accept my apology. You know he's always apologizing. For for you know not raising you as, as best as I could, and that's a, that's a lie. He's, he did a great job. Um, he says, I know you have a lot of worries, but I tell you what. You don't need to worry about any of those things. Um, I, I I got into this place, and Jesus came alongside me and wiped away all my tears, because <laughs> there's a lot on earth to mourn about. Um, yeah, I, you can you can read this if you want. So, in in, in closing, I'll, I'll flash, you know, I'll show. What I do when I do Bible study, I do this thing called a subject and complement. I didn't create it. I didn't think of this. It's by Haddon Robinson, but a subject is a question, and uh, Fletch will will show this here. A subject is a question, and the complement is the answer to the question. And here's the here's the rule: using the text and only the text. You have that Fletch the subject complement one. Using the text and only the text. Okay. So, the subject of this passage is... push it, put it on there on the screen. Okay, this is, this, is, it's pretty, this is the easiest way to do Bible study that I know. You use the text and only the text. So, the question is, what does Jesus say to his disciples who came to him on the Sermon on the Mount? That's straight out of verses 1 and 2. And the answer is, Jesus tells his disciples on the Mount that there are eight categories of people... Who are living the blessed life. And there you have it. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, and and, and on so on and so forth. If you look at those who mourn, there are there the scripture is is all about addressing mourning. And and I was going back and forth like, why am I so sad, because we're going to be reunited anyways. I've never been so sure of someone being in the presence of Jesus than, than my dad. I want to teach you something called relational prayer. You know what relational prayer is? It's when you pray like this, like, Lord, here's what I'm feeling. I'm so sad. Can you relate to me, Lord? Do you know what it's like? And watch Jesus speak to you. Because He can. Remember when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies? What does Jesus do? It's the shortest verse in Scripture. The kids should know this. Jesus, okay. Jesus wept. Well, why did he weep? This guy Mike Don goes, Jesus, why are you crying? You're gonna raise him from the dead, bro. Like, <laughs> right? Why are you crying? You know you get a, you're gonna raise him from the dead. It's because Jesus is role modeling maybe what we should do when we grieve. And I had a ton of scripture to share, but I just wanted to share my heart most of all and let you know that that the gospel is good news in the midst of bad news. In fact, you can't have good news unless there's a lot of bad news because there's no such thing as hot without cold. There's no such thing as light without darkness. So there's no such thing as the gospel without a bunch of bad news. Now, now I thank God for all the bad news because the gospel makes so much, it shines brighter the darker it is. We're living through some dark times, but this is the track record of all of humanity. It's been dark. It's been dark since the fall in the garden. Shalom has been shattered. Shalom is peace. It's the Hebrew word for peace. God intended for Shalom. There was shalom over all the earth. Sin got introduced and shalom was shattered. I believe the blessed life, blessed are those. Blessed comes from the Greek word makarios, which means blessed. I think it's way better than happy. I think it has to do with joy. But I think the blessed life is the shalom life or the flourishing life. And Jesus said it. He said You know, um, if people want to find me, they should look for these groups. Notice he doesn't mention the big key indicators, because the world thinks it's SMP. Sex, money, power is how you know you're blessed. Just look at Instagram. Look at Facebook. Look at all social media. It's always SMP. Jesus. Yep, let me check. Yep, none of that's here. There's no SMP here. It's those who mourn. (laughs) So I'm calling us as a a body to to do this together. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, 15, this is great advice. If you want to comfort someone who's mourning, this is the best way to do it. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Meet them right there. God wants to meet you exactly where you're at. So let me pray for us as as I close our time out here. Father, we thank you for the gospel because it is good news. So in that sense, God, we're also thankful for all the bad news because we have the good news. And you are the good news, God. So Lord, today, uh, for those of us going through grief, let us grieve together. Let our grief Push us deeper into community, into the body. Out of isolation, out of darkness, into the light. So Lord, we thank you for our grief. Because we thank you for the body. We thank you that, we, that you've given us the body to jump into so we can be fully known and fully loved in the midst of gospel-centered community. Lord, as we continue our worship here May we we find healing in you for the things that have wounded us so we don't bleed anymore over those who didn't cut us. Lord, we thank you for the blessed life. Thank you for comforting those of us who are mourning and grieving. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.